Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99 at participating U.S. restaurants. Price may vary. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. And right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show weekdays from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM, Fight Nation, Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I catch up on everything we missed from our vacation last week and welcome back one of our favorite guests to the show who has a big opportunity on Raw tonight. The world of pro wrestling did not stop while Busted Open was on vacation. Bully Ray and I discussed Raw's edgier new look with Paul Heyman at the helm, the chair shot heard around the world at AEW Fighter Fest, and New Japan Pro Wrestling's G1 Climax 29 Night 1 in Dallas, Texas. Plus, Zelina Vega will compete in the main event of Monday Night Raw for the very first time tonight as she teams with Andrade to take on Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch. Zelina talks to Bully Ray and I about this huge moment in her career. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Did you love Raw because you genuinely loved what you saw for three hours? Or did you love Raw because of the rumors and the speculation and the announcements that Heyman was now, quote-unquote, in charge of the show. Well, let's be honest. There's always going to be excitement when you know that Heyman's going to be involved. So, obviously, I was more intrigued and definitely more excited than I've been in recent times when it comes to Monday Night Raw. But I will tell you this. Those three hours, to me, flew by. And, I listen, I know some people may not have liked everything that they saw, and we talk about this with Raw every week. Bully, they throw so much at you. It's difficult to like everything because everything is so different. But I thought the show flowed better than it has in years, in my opinion. And I really enjoyed each and every segment. And like I said, the three hours to me flew by. We came back with that clip of the club beating down Ricochet. Let me ask you this. The club back together... Um, is it a is it a little bit too late, or after that beatdown on Ricochet, are you buying into the three guys together? It obviously it's not too late for AJ. Yeah, I'm talking about Anderson and Gallows. It, you know what? In a lot of ways, I would have said that if if you would have told me that they would have done that beforehand, I would say maybe it's it's late for Gallows and Anderson. But the segment came off so well, and I know this is going to sound crazy, bully, but. Knowing that like Heyman's involved now, it's it feels like like they almost hit the reset button when it came to Monday Night Raw. It's almost like all right, it's PH. You know, it's like here's like before Heyman and after Heyman. It's kind of crazy when you think about it, but I almost feel like they hit the reset button here. You know, with with Vince 
putting Paul in charge of Raw and Eric in charge of SmackDown. I mean, obviously we're excited about it because we know each one of these guys have been successful in their own right with their own brands and their own companies. Don't you think it also sets raw don't you think it also sets up Paul and Eric to be the ultimate fall guys if things don't necessarily go the right way? Probably. I, I I'm sure there's a lot of pressure on both of them because you're right. Just like I did on Monday, I looked at that show with different colored glasses, knowing that Paul Heyman's now a part of it and and now of the, the creative director, so to speak. I looked at it completely different. So, yeah, if things fail, it's going to probably fall on him. Whether that's fair or unfair, that's just the way it's going to be. It's interesting how Vince has insulated himself from creative. Listen, Vince is still at the end of the process. It's not like Paul has final say on Raw and Eric has final say on SmackDown. Vince has final say on everything. But a couple of months ago, you saw the McMahons come out there as a united front saying, Hey, we're listening to you. We're going to change things. We don't think things are right around here creatively. That was basically telling the the universe that, hey, we don't have anything to do with creative, you know, but now we do. And now he's insulated himself even more. Um, I think you watched Raw with a more trusting set of eyes Mm -hmm. that you knew Heyman was behind it. Now, I don't think he wrote all three hours. At all, I still I still think that there were uh, you know a lot of, of the other uh, writers involved, the writers that Paul trusts and the writers that Paul uh, has a good relationship with and a good working dynamic with. Um, but but I think you're going to see good things, and tonight will be very interesting. I think tonight's Raw will be a lot more telling than last week's Raw because it's you know last week is. You know, they came out of the box with it. They made the announcement. I don't think he was 100% in control. It's going to be interesting to see how they follow it up. How much of Heyman's handprints will be all over the show tonight? And you just said it, too. Ultimately, it's still going to fall through or filter through Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon is still Vince McMahon. Like, no no matter what goes on on a Monday Night Raw, Bully, it's still going to have to be approved by him now obviously i'm not in the room i'm not back there from things that i've read he seemed to be very happy with the show why wouldn't you be the ratings were up on monday the fans in the arena seemed to be more excited and like i said the show flowed would you say watching that show putting the paul Heyman aside that it did feel like it's been an upgrade over what we've been seeing on Monday Night Raw? Yeah, just take a look at the way they started it, with chaos. Yeah. Absolute chaos. You know, when the show is over, I went on social media and I and I tweeted something very, like, uh, kind of subliminal. You know, I, I knew a lot of people wouldn't get it. You'd have to be a diehard ECW fan to understand it. I said, Raw opened up with Thunder Kiss 65, and it ended with Pulp Fiction. Anybody that was an ECW fan yep. knew that Thunder Kiss 65 was the, the, the song that played when ECW came on the air. That was their opening theme music. And Pulp Fiction was that very unique and innovative way Paul would tie his packages together at the end of the show. Meaning, I could see Paul's handprints on Monday Night Raw. So um, when I see it, I was I was more entertained by it, just as you were, and I could point to certain things, and I go, ah, 
Paul's involved with this. Just as I've been able to point to certain things in the past, uh, if you take a look at uh, Charlotte's promos during the build-up to WrestleMania, I'm thoroughly convinced, and nobody can tell me you know, any different, that Heyman was involved. All of the Ronda stuff, I know that Heyman was involved. It's just some of the things that are said. It's the delivery. It's the tone. It's, it's a bunch of things. But having his handprint on, on the show is good. And, and Vince, in my opinion, if I'm Vince McMahon, I'm saying to myself, listen, Paul was really great at creating this small company and changing the face of wrestling. And Eric was a guy that almost put me out of business with the creation of the NWO and Goldberg. These guys kind of know what they're doing, and they were the biggest thorns in my side. Why don't I just leave them alone for a little while? Let me let them do what they do, and let's see what happens. Obviously, I'm not just going to let them have free run of the place, but let me run with their ideas. And in three to six months, let's see where we're at ratings-wise, and let's see where we're at with the fans on social media and how they're liking the product. And so far, so good. And I'll tell you, you mentioned about the show starting last Monday with chaos. Let's go back to last week. Exactly how Raw started. He's had Braun Strowman on his heels this entire match. Well, now it's I, Bobby digging in. I think that frustration of Bobby Lashley is making scary. Oh, oh, oh. Holy shit! It's so funny, Molly, because listening back to that, like it was the beginning of the week, so my wife didn't hate me yet. Um, and uh. she was watching Raw with me, and she turned to me. She goes, did he just say, holy shit? <laughs> and I actually had to go back and, and you know, on the DVR and skip back, you know, the, the 10, 20 seconds. And I was like, oh, my God, like right off the bat, right at the beginning of the show. You're starting to see that edginess that people want to see from Monday Night Raw. And you got what you got from Corey Graves. And I've heard certain curse words on the USA Network later on at night. So I know USA is okay with it. Um, but to say it right out of the box in the 8 o'clock hour in a PG yep. you know, product, it was definitely shocking. And Twitter was you know, on fire with the fact that Corey said it. Obviously... He got the okay because there's no way in hell Corey Graves is going out there on his own and just saying it and then hoping to ask for forgiveness later. Um, it, him saying holy shit matched the moment. It added to the moment because you were so shocked by what you saw with Strowman and Lashley. Yep. And if you listen to the crowd, the crowd, not about what the crowd was chanting. It was about the noises the crowd that were making. They were they were totally taken off guard. And then to hear Graves say what he did added to the to the, you know, how gigantic of a of a moment it was. He's basically speaking for the whole arena and telling everybody at home. Oh, my God, this is something that we have not seen in a long time. And that's a Heyman fingerprint. Yeah, it definitely is. And also, too, like the, the camera angles, that one camera angle that they showed from like the side of the stage bully. Yep. Is some, it, I don't think I've ever seen that angle before. So it's kind of like, all right, already you're taken out of the element of what you normally see. You know, how many times have we said on the air, like, 
can we get a little bit of a change? Because everything is almost identical from the week before. The way they start the show, the opening monologue, the way they, the wrestlers go to the ring, what we hear with the promos, the colors, you know, the ring row. Everything is so similar to the week before. And then you got like, not forget the holy shit, because you're so right. Because it's, it's placed at the beginning of the show. But that camera angle where they were showing Strowman and Lashley, it's almost like... Well, this is this real? Did this ha- Are they really hurt? Is that you? You start questioning what's going. That's such a good thing when it comes to pro wrestling. When I watch a WWE product, I always say to myself that they shoot their product very north south and very east west. Mm-hmm. It's very up and down or side to side, uh, and that works for TV and it works for them. If you you're talking about the camera angles right now and how unique and different they were and how the camera angles made you believe that you were seeing something different or maybe something a little bit more real. If you go back and you watch <clears throat> ECW back in the day, remember all the tricks that they used to do with the camera? Yep. The camera going sideways, the camera going upside down, cameras they would shoot in an uncomfortable way. And that's what the WWE did the other night. They shot it in an uncomfortable way that made you think, "Wait a minute." I'm not used to seeing these kind of angles, camera angles, so maybe something went wrong. And that's the beauty of taking the product and just shooting it differently. If you shoot it differently, people are going to think something's up. So, Dave, I'll ask you, just by the way it was shot, did you think you were getting something different? Yes. It was It was jarring how different it Boom. was great word jarring and if it's jarring you that mean it it means it has to be grabbing your emotions and it has to have you interested and involved and i think people were definitely interested and involved at the opening of raw like what you're hearing catch busted open live weekdays from 9 a.m to 12 p.m eastern on sirius xm fight nation channel 156 or on demand with the sirius xm app a lot of controversy after that moment with the chair shot to the head, Bully. What were your thoughts? My thought, it was it was totally fine. I had no problem with it. It's a chair shot to the head. Okay. It's two grown men doing what they want to do in their world of sports entertainment. Do they know about all the CTE stuff? Yep. Is it a calculated risk that they wanted to take? Yep. They're grown-ups. If they can poison their body with tobacco or poison their livers with alcohol, they can poison themselves with chair shots to the head. I don't care. Um, I made a living on it. Tommy Dreamer made a living on it. Devon made a living on it. McFoley made a living on it. A lot of people made a living on it. Yes, we're very conscious about head trauma and CTE. It's not, I, I don't think they will be, um, you know, doing chair shots to the head left and right, but it tells a great little story. Because now you're going to want to see Cody receipt Spears with a chair shot to the head one day. Was the chair shot done perfectly? Absolutely not. Okay? It was a little dangerous because it was to to the side of the head. And he could have caught Cody, could have caught Cody in the temple. And I don't care how tough you are. If you get hit in the temple, the, the butt of the chin, or kicked in the balls, you're going to go down and you're going to get knocked out. And the lip of the chair is what busted Cody open. And I can, one day, I'll, I'll show you the back of my head, LaGreca. I have like chicken feet scars on the back of my head. Three separate times I got busted open because the lip of the chair wrapped around the back of my head. 
pretty funny that all three times it was for my brother Devon. <laughs> but I have no problem with the actual chair shot. Your opinion? I mean, I, I would think that, you know, he, I have a lot of opinions when it comes to this because, man, did opinions fly during Fighter Fest? And it seemed like everyone stopped watching the show in order to get onto Twitter and tell them, tell their thoughts about what took place with a chair shot that, you know, again, people reacting in the moment, not getting all the facts, not waiting to see what happens. Uh, you know, I, I, I guess that's what social media and Twitter is. I mean, I, I tweeted out that I hope Cody was okay. And I got absolutely murdered on social media. Why? Because of people just saying, well, he's an idiot. Why would he do that? That's stu-. It was crazy. I actually had to block people because of some of the things that people were saying because of that tweet. Let me crazy. ask you a it question, was crazy. Dave. What do you think is more risky and death-defying or putting yourself in more harm's way? Cody taking that chair shot from Spears to the head or Darby Allen, do, Darby Allen doing that blind, nesty plunge where he could have shattered his spine on the ring apron? Obviously the latter. Was there outrage about that? No, not at all. Why? Because I think now there's, it's. I think it's because it's come to light about the the head trauma because of all the talk about it in the world of the NFL. It's mainstream news. We thought that like chair shots were done. So when you see it, to go back to a word I used before, it's jarring. It's something that you thought was banned that they weren't going to use anymore. So when you see it and you see somebody get busted open like Cody did, it is alarming. And it's probably not the smartest thing to do either. You probably do want to stay away from it. But you're absolutely right. I think there was things that happened in that show, in that match, that were definitely more risky than that chair shot to the head. Cody knew exactly what he was doing because you know chair shots to the head are taboo right now. But it got people talking, and if people are talking, that's good. I had no problem with it. I don't know why they did the press conference afterwards, and I guess the Bucks said something went wrong and the chair was supposed to be gimmick. I have, yes. I, I don't get it. I don't care because I, I think that the spot was fine. I have no problem with a chair shot to the head. I'd be an absolute hypocrite. If you told me that they were going to wrap chairs around each other's head on a weekly basis, then I would say you probably don't have to do that. But if they're doing it for a reason because they want to tell a specific story, listen, people don't know who Sean Spears is before he steps into AEW. Now they know his name. Sean Spears, you said the chair shot heard round the world, okay? I'll never forget the day Tommy Dreamer cracked a chair over Raven's head as he was handcuffed to the steel cage. That was the original chair shot heard round the world. Now, this one has everybody talking. Cody didn't suffer a major concussion. He got busted open. Big deal. You could get busted open doing anything in wrestling. You could take the turnbuckle. Uh, you could get run into the post too hard. You could take the turnbuckle the wrong way. I'm telling you, the Darby Allen bump is so much more dangerous. And in no way am I telling Darby Allen, hey, man, don't do your stuff. I know what he was trying to do. He was trying to land on the apron. Because that would have been a clean bump. He was inches away from his spine being crushed on the tip of the apron. That could have went really, yeah. really bad. That is so risky. Good for Darby that he's okay. 
Hopefully he realizes next time his, his, you know, his trajectory needs to be a little bit better. But as far as the outrage for the chair shot to the head, give me a break. 20 years ago, everybody was on their feet after 33 chair shots that The Rock gave Mick Foley. And now, oh, we found out about CTE. We're so concerned. And we're going to go to social media and say, Cody's a, a schmuck for doing this. Cody knows what he's doing. If he didn't know what he was doing, he would not not have been in business with Tony Khan. And that's and that's what really bothered me. Like, all right, listen, I get it. We now know about CTE and head trauma, and it's probably not the safest thing to have a chair shot to the head. And obviously things went wrong, and I want to get into that in a second. You just touched on it. I want to get into, like, what the Bucks tweeted out and said afterwards. But obviously you would hope that, you know, wrestlers are smarter. But what really bothered me that in that moment, hey, you know, whether it was intentional or not, Cody got busted open. He seemed legitimately like there was a problem there. And the fact that I tweeted out that I hope Cody Rhodes was okay, like all of a sudden I'm up Cody's ass and, and like he's an asshole for doing that in the first place. It's like, whoa, wait a second. Everybody's up in arms about head trauma and CTE, but I can't say something that I hope the guy's okay. Like, everybody's like, the chair shot to the head, CTE, head trauma, you should be safe. But when I'm actually concerned about a wrestler, you know, the guy's a jerk. I mean, come on now. What side are you taking here? Are you really on the side of safety? Or you just want to get your opinion heard on social media? They're on the side of getting their opinion out there when it truly means absolutely nothing. I'm sorry. You're, you're, you're watching a product that you know is going to be a little edgier. You got a chair shot to the head. It was a clean shot. I would, If I was Cody, I would not have turned his head, but sometimes it's hard not to be reactionary. And let me tell you something. That chair shot wasn't that hard. It was a good, clean, flush shot. Cody, If Cody doesn't turn his head, he doesn't get busted open. It's very simple. I can show you a million worse chair shots. What they did, their stunt was very well coordinated. Can something go wrong? Absolutely. That's why he got busted open. Who cares? It's wrestling. It's not freaking ballet. Stuff can happen. Do you think that's irresponsible of me to say that? I don't care what anybody says. We've been doing stuff like this forever. I can point to spots that are far more dangerous. I told you about the Darby Allen spot. Mm -hmm. How about last night, Jessica Havoc with the tombstone pile driver from the second rope into the tax. Forget about the tax. If you're an inch off, a half inch off on that tombstone from the second rope, you're talking major paralysis. These are some dangerous moves. These are moves that if anything goes wrong, you might not get up and walk away. I've never seen anybody not get up and walk away from a chair shot to the head. What do you think about the Bucks coming out and saying the chair was gimmicked and it went wrong? What do you think about like them in damage control after the incident that took place? I don't understand why there was any damage control. I, 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 don't, I don't know. Like, I guess they said that they didn't know Cody was going to do it, and then it seemed like, did Tony Khan kind of like not answer the question in the moment? I, I really didn't pay attention to it, Dave, and I didn't pay attention to it because I didn't care, because I didn't think there was anything wrong with the spot. You know? 
Maybe Cody's going to come back and turn around and his whole promo towards Spears is, you know damn well that in our business, that's taboo. And that's something we try to stay away from. But that's exactly what I'm going to do back to you. It's kind of like the old pile driver, um, you know, theory in a, in, in, in a no holds barred match. One of the moves we stay away from is from the pile driver, but I'll be damned if I'm not going to pile drive you, you know, pile drive you to hell or whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe they turn this into a story. Maybe the story is the receipt of the chair shot. I have no problem with the physicality, especially because I know they tried to execute, execute it as safely as possible. But sometimes the body does very instinctual things. The body will always try to protect itself. So keeping your head there flush for the chair shot, it's not easy to do that. As a matter of fact, I retweeted something of me and Devon taking chair shots from Balls Mahoney straight over the top of the head. If you're going to do it, that's actually the best way to take them. I have zero problem with it. And I don't care if fans kill me for it, if they want to get on social media and go, oh, but CTE and this and that. They're not doctors. All they know is what they read. And yes, in the NFL, do they take precautions because of shots to the head? Sure, because they're taking shots to the head on every play, right, Dave? Yep. Do you think we're going to be getting chair shots to the head in every Cody no. match? No. I mean, I, I would think, I would have to say that that's probably the last time you're going to see a chair shot to the head for AEW. And, is, and you know what? If it's the last time I see it, I have no problem with that either. All I want to see is the receipt. All I want to see is Cody receive him. Or even better, I want to see Cody have Sean Spears in a compromised position where Cody could crank him over the head with the chair and then throw the chair away, hit him with the crossroads and beat him. One, two, three. There's your story. By the way, Jim Ross is going to sit down with Sean Spears on... The Road to All Out, their YouTube series leading up to All Out, August 31st in Chicago. So I'm sure this will be brought up, and it's going to be interesting to hear what Sean Spears has to say to Jim Ross. Dave, do you think anybody has anything to apologize about in that situation? No. Exactly. No. Good. And I don't even think that the Bucks needed to come out. They they chose to do it. I'm not knocking them for doing it, but I don't think they needed to come out and say, "Hey, the chair was gimmicked and something went wrong." I, I don't, I don't, I didn't feel the need that they had to do that. I listen. I, when I saw the in the moment when I saw the chair shot to the head, I said, "Oh," I was a little, I, I was in a little bit of disbelief that they went there. I was completely shocked by the reaction that people had. So. You went, oh, because of the disbelief that they went there, not because it actually looked like a very violent chair shot. It didn't, because in the moment, it didn't. Now he got busted open and you saw the blood just like pouring out the back of his head. So again, my first reaction when I saw that, the first thing I did on Twitter was like, oh my God, I hope Cody's okay. Because you're seeing the guy laying on the on the mat with blood pouring out the back of his head. But what were we were talking about two weeks ago, that how much we love blood and how it makes it more realistic. Yes. You can't have it both ways. I mean, everybody red, red wants... Red means green. It's, it's a, it is a fascinating discussion. I will say that. By the way, Jim Ross, as I said, is going to have to sit down with Sean Spears. He's going to be joining us 
on the Wednesday edition of this week here on Busted Open. But for right now, Bully, let's go out to the nation. It's been a while since we've talked to the nation. It's been over a week since we talked to the nation, so let's do it now. Let's go out to Joe in North Carolina. Joe, what's going on, buddy? Dave, Bully, how are you all doing? I hope y'all's vacation was absolutely outstanding. It was. A lot, a lot of wrestling. Good, good. Bully, I have to respectfully disagree with you on your stance on this. And I understand I have nothing but respect for you for everything that you've done within your wrestling career. I have nothing but respect for Tommy Dreamer, everybody that has built their career and had had, taken headshots on there. But, Bully, I can tell you that I've been blown up over in Iraq. And two people that were in the back of that truck with me had TBIs. I have been, my best friends are fellow veterans that have PTSD, TBI, and I hate to say this, but you can't distinguish the two. Because at times, those same symptoms, those same suicidal symptoms that are associated with PTSD, they happen to TBI. Just look what happened to Junior Seau. I was more worried about Cody Rhodes for his health than I was about that chair shot because I don't ever want to see that violent of an act because I've seen what it's done to people. And if I care, I care about the wrestlers and the wrestlers lives more than I care about what's being shown on that TV. So you must, so you must feel the same way about Darby Allen, right? Yes, I did. I thought that was an absolutely ridiculous, ridiculous spot so then you think well, that we, I tell you so was then, I oof of oh my god I was oh my god in the same way that I was when um Mick Foley was thrown off the cage like holy shit did Darby Allen just kill himself why the hell did he do that okay so you're so you're him. a fan so you're a fan who's concerned about wrestler safety when they are out there doing things that they choose to do to entertain you. And if you choose to be concerned about their safety, that's your opinion and you're entitled to it. I have no, no problem with that. Yes. I, I, that's where I, I, you know what, the outrage for it, I can understand that. You know, if they want to do something, I understand your point. But, about you, but you're also, comparing, the head, you're also, the head com- shot too. you're also comparing a chair shot to the head to what happened in Iraq with PTSD and bombs blowing up on people. Bully, it's a single shot, too, and it could happen. That's why I say that. That one single headshot, I've seen what one thing can do to this one person's brain. And that single headshot, it's violent. I don't know how it is. I've never been, luckily, you know, thank goodness, I've never been hit over the head with a chair. What if I, I were to tell you, what if I were chair. to tell you, Joe, that it's a, it looks a lot worse than it really is? Bully, I, I still have concern. I would still have oh, okay, concern. fine. It's my own personal dealings. And Joe, I'm not arguing with you over your personal feeling. That's fine. And yeah. Joe, thank you so much for the phone call. And listen, Joe's obviously everyone's entitled to their opinion, but Joe brought up like the Mick Foley with the hell in the cell. And we all know, you know, him falling off the top of the cell onto the table, him falling through the roof of the cell down to the mat. I mean, Mick Foley almost you would you would have to agree, Mick Foley almost died in that match, correct? 
Mick Foley almost died in plenty oh, of matches. But I'm just saying, in that, he brought up the Hell in a Cell match. Has there been any other match more glorified in the history of pro wrestling than that matchup? I mean, think about it. We, have, we celebrate anniversaries of that matchup. It's not, we don't ridicule it. We don't say, how did they let that happen? What was he doing up there in the first place? We, we never talk about those. We glorify that moment and we glorify that match to the point we celebrate anniversaries. Specials are on the WWE network from that matchup. So what's worse, the Cody chair shot to the head or Mick Foley taking a flip bump from 20 feet in the air through a table? I think everybody knows the answer to that. Now, safety is a concern, and the WWE chose to say no more headshots, no more chair shots. And if you remember, when that happened, people were up in arms about it. I understand for safety's sake you go there. Listen, you want to say AEW made a mistake on, on last Saturday? Okay, but you know what? I guarantee you we probably won't see any, any more chair shots to the head from AEW. Do you think a chair shot to the back can't hit your spine the wrong way and do some significant damage to your spine where you pinch a nerve and go down? Anything can happen. But now, are we supposed to tell stuntmen to not do their stunts? Are we supposed to tell wrestlers who are known for a certain style and, and, and doing certain things to not do them anymore? When Tommy Dreamer takes, uh, takes that spot every single match where somebody crotches him on the, on, the, uh, on the ring posts and his balls get driven into his stomach, should he stop doing that because we're, we're concerned about testicular problems? I mean, come on. It's an open if, discussion. If, sure. if, if the shot was completely unsafe, if there was, uh, if, if Spears had tried to really hurt Cody, none of that went on. And it's coming from the trained eye. There's a way to do this the right way. I believe they did it the right way. And I think Cody's instincts made him turn his head a little bit and he got busted open. Big deal. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. A lot of people think you need a car to enjoy SiriusXM, but you don't. You can listen outside the car. Right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Just go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. You can listen on your phone, at home, and online. That's SiriusXM.com busted. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. I always laugh when I hear the Okada stuff, you know, like seeing how big of a star Okada is or Tanahashi is and how they were treated when they came through TNA years ago. And now they're like the biggest stars on the planet. And Tanahashi is the ace of New Japan. Meanwhile, they were f treated like low-grade jobbers. Ugh. You know what's funny? Or it's not funny. It's actually sad because you're sad. absolutely right. It's, it's sad. But in the uh, post-fight press conference, which New Japan does an amazing job of, they have press conferences after the, after the matches. And in Dallas, was no exception on Saturday, they had press conferences after the matches, and the press was talking to Okada, and obviously there was an interpreter involved, so it took a long time to get the answers. But one of the reporters said, hey, tomorrow night there's a pay-per-view from another company that you used to be in, 
obviously with Impact Wrestling slash TNA, though the company is completely different from when he was a part of it. And they asked him about his time in TNA, and that's when Access TV decided to pull the plug on the press conference right when he was about to answer the question. I was so pissed off. I wanted to hear what Okada had to say about TNA. But it's um, it's unbelievable, Bully, when you, and you laugh. But if you don't laugh, you'll cry. That TNA had this guy, possibly the greatest pro wrestler right now in the world. TNA had Okada, they had Tanahashi, and they had some kid called Tyler Black. Amazing. I, I mean, the, 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 the Okada stuff, and, and I've heard Okada answer the TNA question before, and he, he's very politically correct and nice about it. He's like, I appreciate my time there, yada, yada, yada. But um, the way TNA treated Okada left a horrible taste in New Japan's mouth. And we're not talking about the impact wrestling of today. Yes. We're talking about the TNA of, you know, 10, 15 years ago, whatever. But to just see these guys when they first came up and see how they were just treated as nobodies. Like, I remember somebody saying, like, why should I be interested in that guy? And they were talking about Okada. You know, and just to see the way Tanahashi was treated two months before he was going to beat the great Muda in the Tokyo Dome. Amazing. That's why on a personal level, I'm so happy for those guys because I saw their struggle up close. Yeah, it, it was rough. And, and Alex Metz just reminded me they had Generation Me, which is the Young Bucks <laughs> yeah. and, you know, possibly the greatest tag team yep. right now in the world of pro wrestling. So, wow. Yeah, it tells you. Um, but let's go back to Saturday in the G1 in Dallas. And 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 listen, you kind of understand why they were in Dallas. Listen, Dallas, a, a rich tradition in pro wrestling. I love Dallas, and I love the great state of Texas, especially when it comes to pro wrestling. Obviously an odd choice for 4th of July weekend to have this in Dallas, in my opinion. Um, they're going to be in the East Coast in September, and we'll get into that as well in New Japan's expansion into the U.S. But is it just me, or was Dallas an odd choice to have this event 4th of July weekend? I believe I asked you that question two weeks ago. I thought Dallas was just an odd choice in general, and you kept talking about the rich wrestling tradition. Yeah, I get it, the Von Erichs and the Freebirds, and, like, that's all-American, you know, the all-American, all-American wrestling, you know, uh, uh, territory. So the decision to come there with the Japanese company was, was a little odd to me. If you remember what I said was, I thought that they should go to the East Coast, and lo and behold... New Japan drops the bombshell on that G1, uh, you know, uh, special yep. in Dallas that they're coming to the ECW arena in Philly. They're coming to Lowell, um, order, uh, Lowell Auditorium in uh, Boston, and they're coming to the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City. And I think that is monster for New Japan. I think that's the biggest news coming out of that G1 in Dallas. The fact that New Japan is coming to the East Coast and running those three cities and three great buildings that I'm sure they will sell out. Yeah, and th and that's the thing. Like cuz you're coming off the heels of of course it was a joint venture with Ring of Honor at a sold out Madison Square Garden in April. 
But then the choice, it's one thing to have it in Dallas. It's another thing to have it in an arena that holds 20,000 fans. Like, you're, you're not going to get that kind of fandom in Dallas 4th of July weekend for the G1. And they had about, I'm, I'm going to guess they had about 5,000 fans, which is a decent crowd. But when you see it in an arena that holds 20,000, it's, it's, it's not a great look. Though if they would have had that in a smaller arena, Man, that that crowd that was there on Saturday, maybe it wasn't a, a it wasn't large in volume, but they were loud on Saturday, and that's what was great about it, because obviously we've seen Tanahashi and Okada in the ring before, but this is the first time it was in front of a U.S. audience, and to hear those fans and the way they reacted to every move, I listen. We watch so much wrestling. Obviously, you involved you know, with Ring of Honor right now and, and what you've accomplished in the ring as a Hall of Famer, what you still do in the ring, you view it differently. But as a fan, watching that and watching that in U.S. soil, the goosebumps watching that match on Saturday. And I tweeted out, you know, you'll never be able to see Joe Montana go up against Tom Brady, but you get to see Okada go up against Tanahashi. I've said it before, too. I think Tanahashi is the greatest pro wrestler in the history of New Japan. I stand by that. Okada's probably the best wrestler for New Japan right now. I mean, it's just amazing seeing those two in the ring. Doesn't matter how many times you see it. Seeing it in U.S. soil, I thought that was very special on Saturday night. And I bet you Okada and Tanahashi and a lot of the New Japan athletes and wrestlers are enjoying working in front of that or enjoyed working in front of that Dallas crowd and will enjoy working in front of the Boston, Philly, and New York crowds. And it will be significantly different. You know why, Dave? Why? Because of the fans. It's the way American fans react to matches as opposed to Japanese fans. Japanese fans are a lot more respectful and quiet. As a matter of fact, there are times when a match will be going on in Japan, you can hear a pin drop in the arena. Not because the fans are bored, but because they're being respectful of the action. And then they pop when it's the time to pop and they get emotionally invested when it's time to get emotionally invested. You know how American fans are. American fans are just rowdy. And I can tell you this, they're probably, guys like Tanahashi and Okada, they're experiencing, I mean, they've experienced it before because they've been here with the Ring of Honor shows. But they're experiencing these crowds that are into almost everything that they do. And it's going to be unique to have New Japan on the East Coast, all by themselves. They'll be drawing those houses all by themselves. And I think the energy from those fans in Philly, Boston, and New York is going to be so great for that New Japan locker room that they will be, those are going to be three exciting events. And and like you said, they're going to be sold out. Like, I, I would think that that's going to be in record time because those venues are so small, Bully. So, you know, this is going to be a hot ticket. This is going to be a big month. The month of September is going to be a big month for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, absolutely. All three of those shows will be exciting for in their own way, shape, or form. Um, great job by New Japan. Yeah, and, and again, with the G1 and... That block, that A block, and and what we saw, Lance Archer had one hell of a showing too, you know, beating Will Osprey on Saturday. Lance Archer, man, and you know, I even tweeted it during the match. 
that that was an MVP performance from Lance Archer. Now a lot of people are saying Will Ospreay and 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 he's tremendously talented. Bully, you talk about him a lot on this show, but you got to give some credit to Lance Archer as well. You have to give credit to anybody's in the in the ring. It's not just you know Will Ospreay doing doing the work. It's the both of them. I'm sure that Osprey helped to bring out the best in Lance Archer, and I'm sure Lance has been salivating to get another opportunity over there. And they gelled really well together, and they had a phenomenal match. Osprey is great at what he does, and his ability to adapt to a big man like Archer, you saw how it worked. So, <laughs> Great job by those guys. Now, obviously, a lot in the news wasn't just what took place in the ring, but also some of the comments from some of the wrestlers. I mentioned Okada, and I think you know where I might be going with this. Zack Sabre Jr. said, putting on a great technical match for a U.S. audience is like reading Shakespeare to a dog. Have you ever read Shakespeare to your dog? Never. Not once. So I don't know what the reaction would be, quite honestly. Well, how was the reaction to the match? Well, I think the reaction to the match, like to all the matches, were great. I mean, but the, but it's but let's just the comment that was made, right? You know, about a technical match, knowing the U.S. audience and bully. I I don't think you hear it much today, but back in the day when we used to go to matches, you know, when there was a technical match going on, a lot of fans would be chanting "boring" during the matchup. I mean, what do you think about the comments about a, a technical match in the U.S. is like reading Shakespeare to a dog? Do you think I, there's some truth to what he's saying? I think that there could be, but if that is the is the standout technical match on the show, I'm all for it. Because you know how I look at wrestling. You should be giving people a little bit of everything. And if two guys decide that they want to go have a technical match, because they they might be looking at the rest of the card and going okay, these guys are going to do this and these guys are going to do this. So why don't we have a technical match? Because at the very least, it'll be different. And it is different. And maybe that's not Zack Sabre Jr.'s style of what he thinks gets a fan, fans going. So maybe Zack Sabre can have a better technical match than those guys did. I don't mm-hmm. know. Step up to the plate and have a better technical match. Or maybe Zack Sabre thinks he can't have as good of a technical match. I don't know. Listen, it seems right now that in the world of social media, wrestlers are constantly lighting fires under other wrestlers' asses, whether or not it's for real or within a storyline. They're taking it to social media, which is fine. All I know is this. All those names that we just mentioned, they're all really exciting to watch in the ring. Yeah, and it's different, and it's different than what we normally see, which I think is great as well. We talk about options. New Japan is another option, and this expansion in the U.S. to me has been a successful one, and I think that month of September, you talk about tonight is a big Monday Night Raw for the WWE. September is going to be a huge month for New Japan because that's going to be all the buzz in September is about those shows here on the East Coast for New Japan Wrestling. And I'm really excited about what's going to take place. And judging from the reaction, again, around 5,000 fans on Saturday in Dallas 4th of July weekend for, you know, round one of the G1. But you know what? I think it's going to be a different tale when New Japan's on the East Coast in September. I have no problem with the amount of people they drew in, in that arena. I have no problem whatsoever. 
I'm sure that they went there because of the business relationship with Mark Cuban, right? Yes, of course. So, Access so we TV. Un- right. We understand why they were in that size arena. I don't think anybody expected New Japan to sell that place out. Who cares if there was 5,000 fans there? Who cares if there were 500 fans there? Those 500, 5,000, whatever it is, they paid to come and see a good show. And one of the things that is just rampant right now on social media, and it's disgusting, it's so lowbrow and it's so disgusting, are fans taking pictures of arenas and saying, look at the empty seats. Why would you, what's the point? Dave, did we ever go to concerts and take pictures of empty seats? No. I never Why? liked I, I You know what? I never even commented when I go to wrestling and see empty seats. Well, I don't get the point. Why do you need to be so negative about things? I mean, even a company like New Japan, who everybody loves. I saw one tweet and go, uh-oh, should New Japan be concerned? Why would they be concerned? This is like their third or fourth venture into the U.S. market, and they drew five grand on their own. Good job. You, you have to understand, they were in that building for a reason. It's going to be a different showing, I think, when we talk about it in September. It's going to be to the rafters. Yeah, it's going to be sold-out uh, shows. And those people that are taking pictures of empty seats, guess what? When it comes to September, they're going to be taking pictures of full seats. Like what you're hearing? Catch Busted Open live weekdays from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation Channel 156 or on demand with the SiriusXM app. Very excited, Bully. For the main event of Monday Night Raw tonight. Why? Because it's Becky Lynch, your Raw Women's Champion, and Seth Rollins, your Universal Champion, going up against Andrade and our guest right now, Zelina Vega. Zelina, how are you today? (laughs) I'm great. How are you? So first question, how does it sound when you hear, in the main event on Monday Night Raw tonight, Zelina Vega? It sounds very surreal. Like, even hearing it for the seventh time, it's it's very surreal. (laughs) Zelina, I've always been a fan of the intergender matches, and me and Dave have had this discussion uh, quite a bit on the show. Intergender matches were a part of the WWE for a long time. Now they got away from them, and now they're, you know, putting their toe back in the water. How do you feel about intergender matches as a fan did you like them? And as a professional, is it, is it something that you can really sink your teeth into? Absolutely. I mean, when I was a fan, I mean, I've watched wrestling since as far back as I can remember, and I always loved it. And it was something that I really wanted to be a part of. And, you know, when you growing up, you're like, oh, man, I'd love to be a part of that. I'd love to be a part of that. But to actually say, wow, you're, you are a part of it, you know, you, you definitely – um, you get to sink your teeth into it. It's, it's a beautiful thing, especially because we bring such a, a different flavor to it. You know, using the lucha style to our advantage is a nice. Um, it's, a, it's a nice change of pace, I think. And, and to be working with someone as, as you know Becky and, and Seth, it's very interesting to see how this is all going to come together tonight. So yes, I'm absolutely stoked to be a part of it. And um, you know, I feel like with intergender matches, yes, the girls can touch the guys, but I feel like that also brings such a cool dynamic and to show you what else girls can do. You know. So, um, will this be a a, uh, a typical intergender match? Will it would just be women versus women and men versus men, or will everybody be able to mix it up? 
Well, I mean, I have to say, I don't think anything is typical when it comes to me and Andrade. So, I mean, I think you're just going to have to tune in and find out <laughs> what we have in first leave. I think the best thing about this main event on Raw tonight, Bully, is it's in New Jersey. And if you're going to have an historic main event, it's got to be in New Jersey. You mean the shadows of New York City? Easy! <laughs> and Zelina, I mean, this is, I mean, for it to be the main event for Monday Night Raw in this area as well, this has got to be special for you. Well, it's two reasons. Because uh, my family's in New York, it's pretty close. But um, also, my very first tryout back in 2010 with WWE was in New Jersey. In that arena, so it's pretty amazing to to have a come full circle. And you, Selena, t- go ahead. T- uh, tell tell us real quick about. I mean, I, I remember the first day you stepped into a uh, you know a TNA locker room, and then when you got up to the, the NXT, and now in the WWE. Um, you have a lot of experience within the wrestling business. What's like the biggest lesson you've learned um, once you got to the WWE? Uh, I have to say the biggest lesson that I've learned is, is definitely to find your way stand out. Find your, like, whatever it is that you do, take that and dial it up to 10. Because for me, people won't necessarily think, oh, she's the best wrestler in the world, but I also can do what others can't. And, you know, the second I get on the mic, that's something that you can't really match with me. So whenever I, you know, accompanied on Johnny to the ring, I made sure that no matter what it was that I was doing, I made sure that I was a part of it, and I made sure that I stood out. And there was always a moment that you remember, like, wow, you remember when Selena did that crazy thing? Oh, God. Like, just finding whatever it is that you do and dialing up the time. You know, Zelina, I've known you for a long time, and I know your dream is to always be in the WWE. Was there ever a time where you didn't think that this day was going to happen? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Actually, um, back in, I want to say it was a couple of years ago, um, February, I had texted uh, Dwayne, and I remember, you know, I had gotten another note from WWE, and, you know, I had gotten another note from an audition. Actually, it was for Spider-Man. I was auditioning for that, and I got a note there, and I was at the end of my rope, and I was like, I think I'm just going to give up. Can you give me some advice here? Like, I'm at the end of my rope. Like, I think I'm just going to quit everything. Like, I want to quit wrestling. And he was like, no, 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 no. Just, just give me give me a couple days, I'm working on something. And then the movie happened, you know, fighting with my family. And then right after that, it was just like full speed ahead. So it was, uh, it was pretty incredible. It, it was basically a big sign, like, no, 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 don't stop yet. Don't, don't stop just yet. Main event, Monday Night Raw in the Northeast, in Jersey, lots of eyes on you. Nervous? Oh, <laughs> I, I feel like if you're not nervous, then you don't really care anymore. <laughs> Um, I'm definitely nervous, but I think more excited than anything else because I feel that not only are is this a big opportunity for Andrade and I, but it's also a big opportunity to show the WWE Universe what we can really do and gain the respect from Becky and Seth that we really deserve. You know, Zelina, when you're out there tonight, and obviously, you know, Bully just mentioned about nerves, and obviously being in the main event, there's going to be a bit of of nerves. But are you going to take a moment tonight when you're in the ring to to kind of take it all in? You know, with with the road that it took to get to the WWE, how tough it was for you? This is redemption for you. This is this is you know showing all the the naysayers and proving everybody wrong. Is there going to be a moment where you you take it in and enjoy it? Absolutely, and, I'm, and I know exactly the moment it's going to be. The second 
right before the bell rings and I'm looking at them and looking at the WWE Universe, that's the moment I'm sure I'm going to take in for a second because it it really has taken a long time. But, I mean, going from my trial back in, you know, May of 2010 to finally getting signed in 2017, it's, it's a long journey, but it's, it's incredible that it's come to this point. And to have the people that I do on my side is, is even better. Zelina, in wrestling, there are two terms, going over and getting over. Um, which would you prefer to do tonight? I mean, obviously you want to do both, but what's the most important thing for you and Andrade tonight? The most important for us is getting over, mostly because no matter what the outcome is tonight, we still main invented Raw. We still went out there and killed it. And I can say that for you right now. It hasn't even happened yet, but we are going to kill it. And there's going to be sides of me that people have never even seen before. You know, I've been working really hard with Andrade and working hard with, you know, just getting different, um, Get different flavors to my arsenal, and it's going to be a really nice way to have it all come together tonight. And I mean, if, if Becky, she's not really talking so much on Twitter, social media, but it's, it's time for her to back it up tonight. And you know, things are not going to go the way it did when her and Cena, you know, worked with Andrade and I back in January. Things are not going to come out the same. I can promise you that. It seems like you and Andrade have had a great chemistry from day one. Did it come easy for you guys, or did you have to work at it? It actually, it was as if lightning struck. It was perfect. It, the second, because I had met him back in, it was like seven years prior. And uh, actually back when uh, Sarita and I, we would go to Mexico and train at CMLL, I had met him there. And, you know, automatically, I've, you know, I've seen his work, so I thought he was amazing. But then when we met in NXT, it was just perfect. It, everything flowed. There was no weirdness. It was nothing. It just, this is what we were it's like we're amazed for each other. He, he's the yin to my yang. He's just, it's, it's literally perfect. You know, when, when you see Andrade, and maybe a lot of fans, you know, don't know Andrade, what's the one thing about him that the fans may not know? <laughs> well, I mean, there's a few things that they may not know about him, but one of the things that I admire most about him is how much he cares and how hardworking he is. Because, you know, people can see him, and he's tranquilo, and he's, you know, he's like, oh, he's, he's just chill and he's cool. Yeah, but he's also one of the hardest working people you'll ever know. And, you know, whether that's something as simple as, like, he not only when he wakes up to do, you know, fasted cardio, but then he'll go and he'll eat and then he'll go back to the gym. Like, he's putting countless hours in the gym, countless hours in wrestling. He started when he was so young. So just to have all that knowledge and to be a third-generation, you know, wrestler, it's amazing. And, and nobody can touch him. Seriously, nobody can touch him. And, you know, that's just not as not just as an entertainer, but as a person as well. What's a typical Monday like for you, Zelina? I mean, as we both know, they can be very, very long days. And today will probably be one of the longest days for you with you being in the main event. So take us through your day today. After you get off the phone with us, what are you going to do? Well, as soon as we get there, I mean, we're just going to go back to our game plan and just go over what it is that we want to do and what we want to accomplish tonight. And, and just stay focused. I mean, usually... Um, you know, SmackDown has our live events also on, on Monday, but, you know, today we're going to be on Raw, and today everything changes, and not just for, you know, him, and not just for me, but for everyone. This is this is something that we really want to make sure that we change the game here, and this is, I feel like there's a lot at stake, and tonight, as soon as we get to the arena, it's on. Like, there, it, it's game based all the way through, and it should be television, so And uh, Zelina, you there? 
Yep, I think we're I think we're losing her. I think because uh, she's traveling, obviously traveling to Newark to Prudential Center for Monday Night Raw that tonight. Service so, in Jersey. Listen, that it's not, shoddy it's, don't service in Jersey. Don't blame Jersey. Ugh, do not Jersey. blame. Do not blame the. If she was in New York, this would never happen. Do not blame the service in New Jersey. Okay, it's the service in New Jersey. It's the smell and the service. <laughs> now you're gonna talk about the smell. You know what I wanted to ask her is, like, I don't know if she's ever had to perform. I'm, I'm sure there might have been once or twice, but when you perform late at night on Raw, you know, you, you know, in sports, Dave, you always hear about peaking too soon, you mm-hmm. know? So it's like you want to peak right at about 1030, 1045, because they'll probably have a good 20, you know, 15 to 20 minutes for everything. So you definitely don't want to peak too soon, and it's very easily to get emotionally um, just drained before you go out there. And then to have to bring it back all in one shot is difficult. You know what? I was watching a 24-7 special on the WWE Network with Becky Lynch, and she was talking about that WrestleMania 35. You know, she's in the main event. Think about that. That match took place, what, around midnight? You know, so, you know, they're they're going to the stadium in the morning. So think of like all that time, all those hours, knowing that this is the match of your life, you're in the main event at WrestleMania, and then you have to wait all that time. That's got to be a difficult situation. It is very, very difficult. It's one of the reasons why, like in my career, I I was never a fan of going on last. I love going on first or as early as possible because once that show starts, I'm ready to go. Well, Zelina Vega joins us again. I'm sure it wasn't. New Jersey that caused the bad reception on the cell phone. But, Zelina, welcome back. Thank you. I'm sure it's Becky just playing with the cell towers. I mean, it makes the most sense. Zelina, what I wanted to ask you is, um, have you ever performed this late at night before? And, you know, when, when, do you, when do you see yourself start to peak for this match because you never want to peak so, too early? That's also true. I have not wrestled this late. And... We also kind of took that into account. So we actually tried to arrange our sleep schedule so that we can kind of last a little bit longer. But we, we have the things that we do, you know, whether that's, you know, the caffeine at a certain time. Like, I, I have my ways of how I go about it. And, you know, I, listen, I'm, I'm very small. So when it comes to caffeine, the second I get some in, I'm, like, buzzing. So it trust me. There's, there's nothing that's going to stop us from being at our peak tonight. Did you did you get any sleep last night? Did you sleep like a baby, or were you going over everything in your head as you were trying to sleep last night? Oh, I'm always going over things. I'm always going over things, but I made sure to take some melatonin, and I slept good, very, very good last night, so I'm, I'm ready. Are you guys going to steal the show tonight? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, not only do we just steal SmackDown Live every time we're on, but now we're taking over Raw. I mean, that's that's pretty amazing. And I'm going to say this, Selena, obviously knowing you as long as I have, like when I heard about this, I was so super excited for you. Like, yeah. listen, you know, when it comes to the match tonight, I'm going to be booing you. You know, I'm a big Becky fan, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm really... I welcome them. I welcome I uh, I will be super excited for you. I know this is this is the moment of your career. This is what you dreamed, and you know, growing up watching Monday Night Raw like you did, and and being a wrestling fan. And I know your dad's going to be looking down, and and this is going to be something really really special. And just know that it's special for your fans as well. And I'm I'm really looking forward to tonight. Thank you so much. That really means a lot. I'm, I'm you know I thought about that as well. I was like, you know what? 
this is not just for me. It's not just for my daughter, but it's for my dad as well. And it's a nice thing to actually feel and say and, and be in the moment. I'm going to be able to take that into my So thank you. You got it. Selena Vega joining us here. And again, the main event for Monday Night Raw at the Prudential Center. In New Jersey, Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch going up against Andrade and Zelina Vega. Zelina, good luck tonight. You're not going to need it. You're going to do fantastic, and we're all going to be watching and talking about it tomorrow. So enjoy it. Thanks. Thank you. And honestly, that whole, like, hashtag, you know, sexy is sucky, I mean, that, that's what's really going around. So, I mean, feel free. Put it out there. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Zelina Vega, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. No, thank you, guys. It's nice to be back. Thanks for listening. Catch us weekdays on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.